The following episode of TOEFOP is rated MA for mature audiences. It may contain sexual references, time travel references, allegations of bin misconduct, and mild coarse language. TOEFOP advises that this episode is not suitable for anyone under the age of 15 or anyone who thinks a comedy conversation between two old mates sounds like a terrible idea for a show. Minors must be accompanied by a parent or guardian. This is John Deke speaking. Everyone relax, this is Topop, I'm Charlie Clawson. I'm Will Anderson, hello and thank you for watching. It's a bit of a throwback. Will, wasn't it? In that we did 10, 10 minutes of gold and then you realised you hadn't been recording. <laughs> We're in episode 349. Next week is 350 episodes of this show. And yet we still have the exact same problems with the show as we were having in episode fucking one. Uh, I think it was, look, I, I had an instinct, this memory card... It did something weird the other day, but I was like, you know what? It's okay. I'm going to buy another one just in case, but I forgot to swap it out and it, uh, yeah, it just crapped itself. It's, uh, we must, if, in terms of podcasts, do you think we have probably the highest strike rate for crapped out memory cards? I think in terms of podcasts, we have, if you were charting it like one of those maps where they chart a COVID spread or vaccinations against COVID spread, mm. we would have like an amount of episodes that was yeah that plateaued for a while when you went and did home and away yeah but then it's just gradually been increasing but our level of competency has pretty much stayed Stay the same so- throughout that journey it's a real baseline well if we had no that's not true because we've brought in we've brought in experts yeah. we've brought, it'd be much worse if we didn't have like podcast mike you know like i think and and and, and mike Hal before that i think we've brought in people who can only do so much <laughs> but when it comes to if we don't record it there's yeah. little or nothing that they can do in the editing suite that will make that work. Well, ordinarily, if I was actually in Tofop HQ, I'd be running a backup and it would have been no problem because I'd be, I'd be running it through the roadcaster. But because I am uh, currently on the Gold Coast and using the old Zoom, I only have one form of backup and that's the memory card and it's dead. It's dead. In fact, maybe we'll make it a Patreon prize. Does anyone still want a broken memory card? Yet another COVID death. Is it too soon to make that yeah. sort of joke? Probably a little bit yeah. on the nose at I, the moment. But it, this so. is the real tragedy of COVID. That they missed out on our 10 minutes riffing around the fact that you and Mike were wearing white tees, which took us yeah. to the plain white tees, which took us to Hey There Delilah, which <laughs> took us to a whole lot of other places. Well, the universe is just never going to hear that high-quality riffing, and I blame COVID. Well, let's just think of it more like a 10-minute warm-up. Uh-huh. And uh, we need a warm-up, Will, because we're going to get back into celebrity feuds. Uh, if you missed last week's episode, a listener sent in a list of some of the biggest celebrity feuds in recent memory. Um, there was 18 of them. I think we got through 11, so we still have seven of these celebrity feuds. Uh, Will appoints himself judge. In these uh, celebrity feuds, he awards to one celebrity, or sometimes you settled. I think there was a couple of cases where you said, you know what, we're just going to settle here. You both walk away, cover your own costs. And sometimes the feuding celebrities themselves have already settled, and yet I still ruled. Will. <laughs> sometimes I have my own judgment independent of the fact that they've made up. This is what people are scared of with over- government overreach. Like, they've, they've sorted out their own issues, and you've come in and said, no. no. I'm going to come in. They've got a libertarian approach. We're like, we're two humans. We can sort out our own differences. And I'm saying, no, the government <laughs> needs to get involved. This is communism, bitch. Now, I have read ahead on this list. And it's fair to say, of this entire 18 celebrity beefs, the Kardashians mm. feature quite heavily. Now, do you think that is more symptomatic 
of them being the when it comes to celebrity or feuding do you think it's more symptomatic of them being huge celebrities or them being more uh, prone to feuds I don't think that they are necessarily prone to feuds no I think that they are big mm. targets they are emblemic of this obsession with celebrity culture and celebrity for the sake of celebrity that our society has become if you talk about you know internet culture celebrity culture reaching its absolute peak it's the kardashians and they have monetized being that they've made their entire family super famous and super rich off being super famous and super rich so i think they are often used as an emblem of everything that's bad about the world, whereas there are other examples. The Kardashians is just a really good example of it. Do you think, where do you think that it were? Okay, so if they are, you know, the epitome of celebrity culture to this point in society, which is literally famous for just being the Kardashians. Right. Well, I mean, it was a sex tape originally, almost, wasn't it? Yeah. Well, I guess like she was Paris. Wasn't Kim Kardashian Paris Hilton's friend? Yeah, she was Paris Hilton. She's a socialite, Paris Hilton's friend. A sex tape came out, and then her mother very cannily leveraged that into a reality show. Into the biggest entertainment <laughs> business in the world. But I guess you would say it coincided. Like the late, two, I feel like the late nineties, early two thousands was when reality TV really started to take a hold, and so the it was prime. The market was prime for this kind of celebrity. But there's, some, there's got to be something else coming, right? So this is celebrity as we know it in the era of, you know, social media and the era of reality TV. But what is next? Like, what will the next celebrity be? I mean, we've gone through, we started off with like, if you're talented, uh, you know, you play music or you're a movie star or you're a comedian or whatever, and you get world famous, that's celebrity. And then we downgraded that. It was like, all right, forget about the talent part. <laughs> if you are just known all over the world, you're a celebrity. Do we then downgrade that again if we take what do we what is the next evolution of celebrity? Well, here's what I would say. Kardashians next generation. They're all breeding. Yeah. There is an extended family there. There is like I mean, yes, they can have a pause from keeping up with the Kardashians for a few years, but like I mean, can you imagine the episodes when say you know, Kim and Kanye's kids are suddenly 17, 18, 19. Northwest. And like it's following them now and their socialite adventures, whatever Northwest might be into. But you've also got yeah. like older Kim and older Kanye having to like manage parenting duties. Like that is no, compelling television. I think you're wrong though because I think that for the for the kids, for kids who are like Iona's age, that'll be old person boring shit. That'll be like mash to them. They don't want to watch that. I think where, maybe where we're headed because we need another spin on it. We No, but you've got to get it across generations. This is what you're missing. The appeal of the Kardashians is Caitlyn Jenner as well, right? Like for the older people, the younger ones are all into like Kim and Courtney and yeah. all, you know, all that sort of thing. And then you've got your Bella Hadids and that sort of almost extension of the franchise, right? Yeah. Like they started with the Iron Man and the Hulk and, you know, all that sort of stuff. But eventually they were like, we're going to get you to love Hawkeye as well. Don't you worry about yeah. that. Like the, There's phase three the dumb Kardashians. The son's going to get his own show as well. <laughs> like there's going to be a spinoff in this Kardashian universe, yeah. like, you know, for everybody. So for the next generation, that's how the kids are going to be able to hook in with their parents. We're going to be tuning in for Kanye and Kim, but the next generation are going to be tuning in for Northwest. Now, see, I think I don't think that's right. I think that the generation, the, the kids coming up now, they're going to want something to be entertained by something else, and people are going to get tired. It's going to be a tired format. Reality TV, social media stars, Instagrammers—they're all going to be boring. I think maybe what we're headed towards is it'll be a Truman Show 
style situation, the next mega celebrity, because we're going to want reality and we're going to want that thing of like, oh, someone I can identify with. It will be someone that a child that gets bought, you know, they, they get sold to a production company at birth and they do create that Truman Show style, you know, uh, dome. And we watch this, this child grow up because you're getting the reality TV, but you're getting an extra layer of authenticity because they genuinely don't know that they're being observed and that will feel more real. It is interesting that Kim and Kanye have got Richard Linklater to do all their family videos about their kids. So I'm not ruling this out as being a combination of the two ideas. Well, that would be, or maybe that's, I mean, okay. All right, you're right. Let's marry the two ideas. The Kardashians have secretly hired a film crew to film their children, but do it completely concealed. In fact, there's a film called The Fall that came out in 2004 which is a film about, it's set during the Spanish Civil War or something like that. And there's this amazing performance in it by this child actor. And I saw an interview with the director, Tarsem, and he said the, re, the way they got that performance is that they hid cameras all around the set. So the actor, who's a grown-up playing opposite her, they would just improvise scenes. And this kid would give like totally natural reactions. Like there's one scene where she's talking and she's just like picking her nose for the scene. And, and it's an amazing film just because the kid is so unencumbered. Doesn't It's not performing. The kid's just being a kid. So if the Kardashians take that approach, that's the next level of celebrity. Yeah. So you just put it in a vault. You yep. work on this project for 15 years. It's grandma's new project. You know, she just starts filming the grandkids to be released on the 18th birthday, but with approval by Northwest. So Northwest gets to cut, like, you know, gets to sit in the edit suite or like make major decisions about what gets shown and what doesn't get shown. In fact, the project is called Northwest by Northwest. Yeah. But I mean, okay. Is Northwest going, if Northwest's mother got famous by releasing a sex tape, do you think that? Northwest, like the values instilled to him are going to be like, well, you know, I'm, I'm going to be a bit shy about uh, this, this, this part of my life being released. I mean, I would have thought it's more, it's the family business. Like yeah. your family business is celebrity. Like my yeah. family business was farming, you know, <laughs> my grandfather's a farmer, my dad's a farmer, my brother's a farmer. It's generational. Yeah. Like they're born into the reality TV business. Yeah. You know, there's got to be at least one of the next generation where the parents are looking at them and going, well, this is our family's industry. Are you turning your back on reality television? This is what built the house that you live in. It's what paid for the education that you suddenly want to go to university. Well, you're turning your back on reality television. You get a knock on the door, Will, Mm. and it's some producers. And they're like, Will, we need to sit you down. We want to tell you something. Uh Your whole life, you thought you were the son of dairy farmers. You grew up in a dairy farm and then you found your way into comedy. But here's the deal. You were sold to us at birth. Those people you thought your parents were not your parents. We have filmed every aspect of your childhood growing up on the dairy farm. And we're going to release like 12 seasons of Dairy Farmer. Dairy Farmer to Yuck Yucks. The Will Anderson story. (laughs) Milk and cows to milk and laughs. The Will Anderson story. So they show you, they've done like, they've cut together like the, first, the pilot episode and they've got like the 12 season mapped out. And it's, it's stuff, some stuff you don't even remember. It's from like birth right up until, you know, you, you, you go to Canberra to, to go to university, then your first forays into stand-up. That's where the series ends. How do you feel about that? Well, firstly, I'd feel a little violated in that some shit things have happened to me over my life. You couldn't have stepped in. <laughs> 
Like nah. it's, I guess it's fine if you're David Attenborough and some sort of leopards chasing down something in the Serengeti or whatever, and you've got to film it, and you're like, "This is nature." But like, if a bad thing is happening to me, and you're filming me, step in and stop the bad thing from happening. Well, well, I've got some bad news for you. It's not like those bad things happen to you randomly. The studio heads oh, no. were like, this story no. is not exciting enough. We need what? to create some drama. We need some challenges. It's been a public vote. Yeah. And people are sitting at home oh. with polls going, what bad thing can we happen to? Things are going so well. They're like, we've got to give him osteoarthritis. Get him limpy. <laughs> this will be more amusing. We've got a great idea. He's going to get a new show up, but it's going to be in the middle of a pandemic. Right. So firstly, we're going to get him to fly to Wagga Wagga. <laughs> <laughs> Um, if it's already been filmed, yeah. If I do, I have any editorial say on on what goes to air, or is it just I have yeah. to sign over the rights and they can make whatever stories they want? Yeah. Okay. Now, you, I reckon they at some point there was a human rights lawyer who got involved and said, "Look, I can't stop the sale of this child to this production company, but he's going to have some editorial control." There is some things that are just too personal to be shared. So they do give you final cut on particular particularly controversial episodes. So you do get to edit those things out. But it's not like you can exercise it from the story completely. Like they will just, you know, there'll be narration or something to fill in the blanks what happened in this moment. So that story will still exist. They just won't show it. Yeah, just a lot of like blank screen and going, Will was <laughs> masturbating. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, from the ages of 13 to 16. There's a lot of filler in those episodes. <laughs> just a mid-season episode where it's just like a blank screen to represent the years of my life that I wasted touching myself. <laughs> Like, a, what do they call it? A bottle episode. One yeah. that, you know, you have mid-season. It, it doesn't really affect the plot too much. Yeah. I, I, look, I mean, I'd find having, you know, the, the worst bits of my life replayed, I think I'd probably find pretty challenging. Um, I think that, that when I saw the good bits of my life, I'd probably be able to appreciate them more than I did at the time because I've never been particularly good at, you know, being in the moment and appreciating good things when they are happening to me. But also, I think as I get older, I'm much more comfortable with the idea that I am an incredibly flawed person. Like Mm. I've tried hard and I continue to try hard to be a decent person and live by my own values and all those sort of things. But I just think as you get older, you realise that there are so many times in your life for good reasons and bad that you aren't that. Is it okay for people to see that? Yeah, it'd be pretty embarrassing. I'd rather be dead, but... <laughs> just in general. Just yeah, I mean, general no, sorry, no, that was just a random thought that popped into <laughs> yeah. my head. It had nothing to do with what we were talking about. <laughs> <laughs> if I, I'd definitely be fine with it when I died. Yeah. So 100%, like if they came to me on my deathbed and said, hey, we're so sorry you're dying, but... Some other news. Um, we've filmed everything up until this point. Do we have permission to, like, then I'd even let you show the ba- the really bad bits. I guess at that point I'd be like, all right, well, here it is. Warts and all, this is everything that happened. It's interesting. Have you seen the Val Kilmer documentary on Amazon? Amy watched it the other night. She loved mm. it. I haven't seen yeah. it. Yeah. So he uh, documented nearly everything that happened in his life. Like if you had told me that there was a, a camera crew hidden in the bushes because – from the age of, you know, eight or so, he's, he and his brothers were making like home movies. And then when he was a teenager, he bought like video cameras and then spent his entire life 
upgrading to buy new video cameras. And so there's a, some amazing behind-the-scenes footage of his entire career from high school to drama school to getting his first play on Broadway to, you know, every movie he did, there's behind-the-scenes footage of, like, you know, Top Gun and Batman and all this kind of stuff. And he really, like... It's interesting that you're saying if I was dead, I'd be fine to show all that. His attitude seems to be, I just want to show... Well, he frames the whole documentary as being, this is an investigation of acting and what acting is and the idea of you know, losing yourself in a performance and, and, and what it means. And I think it's kind of him, because he has a reputation for being difficult and all this kind of stuff. So I think it's more him saying, this is why I'm difficult, because this is what it takes for me to go there as an actor or whatever. It's fair to say, like, I finished the documentary going, well, that was an interesting documentary. I don't know this is a guy I'd like to hang out with. No. (laughs) He's incredibly, takes himself incredibly seriously. And um, when he was playing Jim... Well, that's like the Jim Carrey uh, Man on the Moon documentary, right? Jim Carrey... Where you're just like the whole time going... This is really impressive, and this was a brilliant performance. But oh my god, you were you were terrible to so many people. Well, that's there's a whole section when he played Jim Morrison, you know, and he just got so obsessed with that role, like Jim Carrey, and was you know listening to the Doors nonstop and practicing Jim's voice and memorizing his poetry and stuff. And he'd been like three or four years married to that point and had a child. And you see like footage of his poor wife, you know, like just trying to make breakfast for the kids while Val's like sitting in the corner with his long brown hair, just like, I'm the Lizard King, blah, blah, blah. It's like, oh man, you're not though. (laughs) You're not. You're not right now. (laughs) Like I'm just making toast. (laughs) You're just Val right now. But it's it's interesting because I'd heard- Hey, Lizard King, can you take out the recyclables? I'd heard stories. I know crew who worked with him on- um, They shot the the island of Dr. Moreau in Queensland. And I've worked with a bunch of people who worked on that film. And one um, mate of mine in particular worked very closely with Val and was like, he was the worst. Like, I've never worked with a more selfish prick of an actor in my life. And um, told a story about like- when uh, Val was doing lines off camera to one of the other actors, he was uh, smoking a cigarette and ashing on a crew member's head just to kind of get a rise out of them. And it's just like, what the fuck are you doing? And then when you watch Val's version of events, their director, the, the original director on the island, Dr. Murray, gets fired. And then John Frankenheim is brought in, you know, after two weeks to kind of get the project back online. And... Uh, Val says, um, but John Frankenheimer wasn't interested in hearing any of Marlon Brando's ideas for the films and he was just trying to get the production back on track. And so you see all this footage of Val Kilmer, like he's a grown man by this stage, like mid-30s, but just being like a brat, just refusing to rehearse. And you can just see the director being like, okay, first position to everyone, blah, blah, blah. And Val being like, I'm in an emotional state. I'm not ready to go in front of the camera because I heard you complaining two weeks ago that you wanted to quit the film. And you know what that does to an actor? And I'm just like, someone needs to slap the shit out of this guy. <laughs> like, seriously. I understand that, you know, in order to get the shot, the actor has to be feeling really comfortable and really supported and stuff. But dude, there's fucking 150 people on this set right now. Some of them want to just get home and see their families. You making this stand now, it's, it's not worth it. It's just not worth it. Every time I hear one of these stories, I think when I was young, you hear these stories and you're like, oh, that sounds an artist. amazing. Yeah. That sounds so impressive. And as an adult, I'm like, shut up. Like, <laughs> <Yeah, totally. laughs> like, do you say your fucking lines, pretend to be someone else. 
get paid heaps of money and go home and stop ruining everyone's day. Well, there's so many actors who can do incredible performances who, when they call cut, are like, oh, great, what's for lunch? You know, I'm just going right. to read, I'm going to just check my emails and stuff. These actors who are like, I, like Jared Leto, I'm going to have to send a condom and a dead rat to so-and-so because I need to get in the head of the Joker. No, you don't. You don't. No, you don't. <laughs> you absolutely don't do, need to do that. Just be like, Jack Nicholson, wear some makeup for a few hours and then go to strip clubs all night. It's fine. Have fun. Again, you're pretending to be the Joker. You're not actually the Joker. If you're actually the Joker, they're not going to pay you for the movie. You have to like steal your own money or whatever. Like, how far are we taking this? Yeah. All right, let's get back into the celebrity beast. Well, you're feeling ready to adjudicate on some celebrity okay. uh, beefs? All right. Okay. Uh, as is tradition in our one-week-old segment... <laughs> I'm going to give you some clues about who the two celebrities are. Okay, this should be easy. Two female rappers. Uh, we did Cardi B and Nicki Minaj last time. So no, we didn't. Did we not? No, we did Nicki Minaj and um, Miley Cyrus. Okay. Oh, right. So yeah. Cardi B and Nicki Minaj. Cardi B and Nicki Minaj. And I think Miley referenced Cardi B, which may be why you're confused. Okay. But doesn't matter because Nicki Minaj and Cardi B had a feud. So... <laughs> Cardi B and Nicki Minaj made headlines after the rappers reportedly had a physical altercation at the Harper's Bazaar Icons Party during New York Fashion Week in September 2018. The I Like It rapper reportedly... I mean, already just... So Harper's Bazaar are having a party. So already this is just like, what world do we live in? Where like a magazine's having this celebrity party. It's Icons. So they've invited two Icons. I mean, they are Icons, yeah. particularly of like, you know, female hip hop. Uh, and then they have a fight with each other. Yeah, like, this is, of course you want to go to this party. <laughs> the I Like It rapper reportedly threw her shoe at Minaj. Who throws a shoe? <laughs> According, well, I thought angry mothers were the only ones who threw shoes. <laughs> she was at a press conference protesting the war. That's normally when people throw a shoe. Um, it says, uh, the I Like a Rapper threw her short menage according to a video obtained by Cosmopolitan. They were separated by security guards and Cardi B was then photographed leaving the party with a bump on her forehead. Of cocaine? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and one shoe? Did she get a shoe back? Was the shoe returned? And I've seen the shoes Cardi B wears. I imagine there's probably a stiletto. So it'd be a very awkward walking out of that party. She'd just be like so lopsided. <laughs> Like, she'd have to Lops take off her other shoe. Like, this is, I mean, and I'm imagining Cardi's shoes are also super expensive. Like, you're throwing away thousands of dollars. Yeah, Louboutins or something. While the two rappers had issues in the past, nothing became physical prior to this incident. The Bodak Yellow rapper posted an Instagram addressing the debacle, claiming that Minaj made a comment about Cardi B's mothering skills. This is Cardi B. I addressed you once in person. I addressed you a second time in person. And every time you copped the plea. But when you mention my child, you choose to like comments about me as a mother, make comments about my abilities and take care of my daughter is when all bets are fucking off for it, Cardi B. Weirdly enough, um, throwing your shoe away is something more a baby would do than a mother of a baby. Yeah. In fact, they've got the full quote here. So before she got to that, she said, and look, forgive me if I'm wrong. I, I, I'm not going to do Cardi no. B's uh, particular uh, syntax, but she has a, if you've watched, uh, um, uh, what was that rap reality show? Rhythm and Flow. Yeah, you know she speaks uh, as a certain way of speak. I've let a lot of shit slide. I let you sneak diss me. I let you lie on me. 
I, I assume by that she means lie about me. <laughs> well, not lie. I me. would love if it was the other way. <laughs> Remember that <laughs> night you didn't have a mattress and I came around and literally let you lie on me. I let you attempt to stop my bags, fuck up the way I ate. Now, stop bags of money, I'm assuming, or bags of cocaine. I'm assuming it's bags of money. I mean, if you're having, well, either way, if you're going to get bags of cocaine, you probably need some bags of money as well. <laughs> well, if you're getting bags of money, it doesn't, you're not going to want to eat anyway. <laughs> you threatened other artists in the industry, told them if they work with me, you'll stop fucking with them. And you talk big shit about me. Right. Okay. So Cardi B is furious. Minaj has denied making the remarks about Cardi B's child and didn't press any charges. In an interview with Beats One Queen's Radio, the Barbie Dreams rapper said she was mortified by the fight. Mickey Minaj saying she was mortified? That to me, it's a suspect. Don't you reckon? Absolutely 100%. Like... It's a bit like the Sarah Jessica Parker thing. Yeah. It's she, I don't know. She just seems a bit too calm in this situation. The, the lady rapper doesn't <laughs> protest too much in my... Like, that's... She's too cool. Yeah. Uh, so do you reckon... All right, how do you rule on this? So the only evidence we have, because the video evidence exists, is that Cardi B did throw her shoe. Now, whether or not Nicki Minaj said what Cardi said she did is up for debate. So your ruling, you're going to be based on circumstantial evidence versus hard evidence. Here's what I'm going to say, though. I think that Cardi B, it would take a lot for Cardi B to throw one, away one of her shoes. We've already talked about the fact that you have to leave the party lopsided. Nobody wants to do that. They're probably expensive shoes. So I'm going to say that Cardi would have to be very upset in the first place to be provoked into throwing her shoe. So I'm actually going to find for Cardi B. Really? Yeah. That's an outrageous decision outrageous decision i mean look it is just hearsay but i was compelled by the hearsay i mean if i went into the street and punched a guy out and we went to the court and i said to you your honor i heard he's talking shit about my parenting skills and the guy's like i have no idea what this dude's talking about like i'm absolutely mortified by the accusation I'd be like, well, firstly, you protest too much <laughs> you, you're clearly not mortified and secondly no, I, because if I did hear that you went and punched someone in the street and you told me it was because he said something about your kid, that to me would be almost the only explanation I would accept for you doing that behaviour because you're just not the sort of person that would unprovoked punch them. And I don't think that Cardi B is the sort of person that unprovoked. I mean, listen to what Cardi said. Nikki's come at her. Cardi let Nikki lay on her. <laughs> like, she didn't have a place to sleep. <laughs> and so I gave you my back. Right? All right, uh, next few. Um, you can go. You know what, Nikki? You can keep the shoe. So that's my ruling. Okay. I find in favour of Cardi B, but Nikki can keep the shoe. On that shoe, do you think? Look, I don't know how much you know about high fashion, Will, but do you think it's a little confusing that you have a expensive shoe brand called Louis Vuitton, and you also have an expensive clothing brand called Louis Vuitton? <laughs> <laughs> do you think that's confusing? I, I said that to Jim the other day, and she stared at me as if I was insane. I'm like, I think it's confusing that you've got two premium clothing brands that sound almost identical. Louis Vuitton and Louis Vuitton. Like, can you wear Louis Vuitton to the Louis Vuitton? I mean, I guess if I just came up with a company for something and I called it N-Y-K-E-E. Nike. Nike. I was like, oh, no, no, no. It's, like, it's not like the sneaker brand. It's a completely independent brand. It's a tracksuit company. Yeah. You can wear it with sneakers. You can wear your Nikes with your Nikes. Yeah, Nike tracksuits. Completely different thing, though. Okay, uh, two celebs. We've got a, um, 
you'll probably guess this one. It's the one of the biggest male rappers in the world, okay. and uh, his and his and his wife's sister, and his wife's sister. So Kanye, no. Oh, and his wife's sister has worked with Kanye. They've done. They've collaborated. Oh, uh, Jay Z, yes, and. Uh, the other one from Destiny's Child. <laughs> uh, her, her, no, well, it's her sister. Beyonce's sister. Yeah. Um, rhymes with orange. <laughs> sort of. No, it doesn't. Solange. If you mispronounce orange. Yes. If you mispronounce orange. <laughs> Sol- Solange. <laughs> Solange. So, so, yeah. Sorry. You know, you're right. Solange. Solange. Orange. Yeah. Okay. Singer Orange. Singer Solange Knowles. Solange. Solange. Sol- Sol- <laughs> Singer Solange Knowles punched and grabbed her brother-in-law Jay-Z in an elevator at a New York at New York Senate hotel after 2014 Met Gala. What I'm getting from this, Will, is you shouldn't go to any fancy fashion shindigs. It's just a recipe for beefs. I have stayed at that hotel, by the way. Um, very disappointed that I just didn't happen to be in the elevator on the night when this shit went down. Can you imagine? You just happen to be popping up to your room, completely independent of this, and then it just suddenly goes down in the elevator. In surveillance video posted by TMZ, Z, viewers can see a bodyguard pull her off the rapper. However, Solange continued to yell and hit Jay-Z. The family then issued a statement to the Associated Press. Jay and Solange each assume their share of responsibility for what has occurred. Uh, Solange has assumed none, and Jay-Z has assumed <laughs> yeah. most of it. <laughs> they both acknowledge their role in this private matter has played out in public. They've both apologised to each other, and we have moved forward as a united family, the statement said. We had one disagreement ever, before and after we've yeah. been cool, Jay-Z told yeah. rapper- that disagreement was that she found out that I was cheating on her sister and she got real mad about it. But it was just one disagreement, me being a dirty, rotten cheat. Uh, she's like my sister, so I'll protect her. That's my sister, not my sister-in-law. My sister, period. Beyonce, Jay-Z's wife and Solange's sister, was in the elevator at the time of the incident but did not engage in the fight. However, she addressed it in her song, Flawless. Of course, sometimes shit goes down when there's a billion on an elevator. Uh, so am I finding between Solange and Jay-Z? Is that the... Uh... Mm, yeah. Well, it's good. It's interesting question, right? Because Jay-Z was in the wrong. Yeah. Right? But you are not ruling about the morality of, you know, staying faithful in a marriage. You're ruling on whether or not he should have been assaulted <laughs> by his wife's sister. I think it's mitigating circumstances, though. I think ordinarily, like, to assault somebody regardless is probably not the right way to resolve some sort of conflict. Throw a shoe. You're wearing shoes, Solly. <laughs> Get one of those she off. Doesn't, she doesn't want to be lopsided when she steps out of the elevator. <laughs> uh, however, Jay-Z's kind of admitted that he was in the wrong here yeah, eventually. Beyonce certainly made it pretty clear that, you know, her and Jay had to work out him being in the wrong. Um, the fact that she's the sister... And that she reacted in that circumstance. I reckon that's one of those ones where, as Jay-Z, you've just got to take the beating, right? Like, yeah. you deserve it. Um, I, no, I'm fighting in, in favour of Solange. Good oh, good right. sister. Like, she's just, she's sticking up for her sister. I think that's a good thing. And I love Jay-Z, but... Do you think it takes Jay-Z, 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 top? <laughs> <laughs> What a great band, by the way. You know those guys? Remember when Jay-Z yeah. did the thing with Linkin Park, like the Black yeah. Album, they did it all together? He also did one with ZZ Top. Jay-Z, ZZ Top. <laughs> uh, do you think this takes Jay-Z up to 100 problems? 
He's knocked off. He solved one of his other problems, so he didn't fuck up the song. Yeah. Um, okay. So these next two celebs, um, uh, one of the original reality shows. That would have been a great moment, by the way, if Jay had had the composure as Solange is bashing him up in the elevator. If he then, when it was done, just got a notebook out and just went one hundred problems. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, okay, so the next two celebs. Um, one is a huge pop and uh, probably movie star now, and the other one is one of the original, is the daughter in one of the original um, reality show Ooh, families. Okay. Justin Timberlake? No, female pop star. Oh, female pop star, and now a big actor as well. Yeah. Was in a critically acclaimed film a couple of years ago. Okay. Playing like, a pop star. Oh, Lady Gaga. Lady Gaga. Uh, and sorry, what was the clue of the other one? She's uh, uh, a, she's uh, a, the daughter in one of the original reality show families, one of the first big hit reality shows. Uh, Lady Gaga and Kelly Osborne. Kelly Osborne, correct. Um, Lady Gaga sent Kelly Osborne a cake to end their transcontinental feud, but the Born This Way singer's gesture was poorly received. Okay. The feud between Lady Gaga and Kelly Osbourne dates back to 2009 when Osbourne called the singer a butterface. A what? <laughs> Sorry, that word snuck up on me. A butterface. I haven't heard that since primary school. No. <laughs> Kelly Osbourne Come called on. The no, singer. Kelly. Yeah. What about well, women lifting up women? You yeah, know? Well, she was <laughs> on an episode of The Fashion Police. She's but, but when you work but 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 butterface. <laughs> I guess when you're working with Joan Rivers, you gotta up your yeah, you gotta up your game. It's my old mate. I can't believe it's not Butterface. <laughs> I can't believe it's not Butterface. The Born This Way singer wrote an open letter on her website. Uh-huh. I have empathy for you, Kelly, yep. but I feel culturally I feel it is culturally important to note that you have chosen a less compassionate path. Your show breeds negativity and over the years has even become comedic in nature, she wrote. Oh, I'm liking this already from Lady Gaga. Kelly's mother, Sharon Osborne, replied with her own open letter. Great. <laughs> Sharon stepped in. Dueling open letters. <laughs> open letters across the world. The British TV personality wrote, I'm calling you a bully. Because you have 32 million followers hanging on your every word and you're criticizing Kelly in your open letter. Are you so desperate that you needed to make this public? All right, hang on. I'm not even going to wait for a ruling here. (laughs) First of all, come on, Sharon. Like, who started this? Who threw mud first? Who made it public first? Okay, so Kelly's just doing her job. So you can argue about the show. Do you hate the player or do you hate the game? The game of fashion police is you go on and you say mean-spirited things about you know, celebrities. And the argument would be, here are these rich people who've got all this money for stylists and fashion is actually part of their brand. They are using it publicly to build who they are and sell records and sell movie tickets and all these sort of things. So therefore, it is free and open game for a bunch of people in a lighthearted way to make comments on their appearance because they are trading on their appearance. That would be the argument you're having at Fashion Police HQ when you talk about what you do. But... It is also a pretty mean-spirited well, she didn't, idea for She didn't show. comment on her fashion sense. She commented on her face. <laughs> on her butter yeah. face. That's not called <laughs> well, firstly, face police. I love butter. So for me, that's not even an insult. Makes Lady Gaga a lot more attractive than she's ever been to me now that I can consider her face is made of delicious butter. But I don't even... 
I, I don't th- but- think then that it's appropriate if you're going to go out in public and say something mean about somebody, that person is allowed to respond. To respond. You've always said that. Like when you? I yeah. made jokes about people and those people have been upset about it or wanted to respond to it, I've never thought it wasn't their right to like feel aggrieved or want to respond or have their own say. I think that that is that's part of it. If you go out there and you say something about somebody, they have the right to say something back to you in return. Gaga then appeared on ITV's The X Factor in 2013, which fell on Kelly's birthday. The singer brought Kelly a birthday cake and delivered it to Kelly's mother, Sharon, who was a judge on the show. Mm. However, Kelly was not amused. She tweeted, not to be ungrateful, but why would you send me a birthday cake via my mother in a country half the world away? As a gesture. It's a a 100% a gesture. (laughs) I mean, that is interesting. It's like, oh, you're giving me an olive leaf? What am I supposed to do with it? An olive branch? What am I supposed to do with this? Like, I mean, it's a, yeah, it's a cake. I mean, Kelly Osborne is literally mad that she can't have the cake and eat it too. (laughs) The fashion police host also posted an Instagram of the cake with a caption, eat my shit. (laughs) I mean, that's, that's, I mean... Okay. Like her actual shit or did she deliver some shit to her mum in a different country? Hashtag eat my shit. Hashtag hypocrisy. Hang on. Why is it hypocrisy? I don't know. Lady Gaga is firstly the aggrieved person in this situation. Lady Gaga hasn't fired back. She's just said, here's how I feel about what you've said about me. And then Lady Gaga is the one who's like, ah, fuck it. You know what? Life's too short. I don't want to like be in this like, you know, toxic relationship. I'm Even though I'm the one who had the harm done to me in the first place, I am going to extend a courtesy. You know what? I'm going to get a cake. I'm going to deliver it to her mum. That's going to be a lovely gesture. And Kelly's gone, where's me fucking cake? Hashtag eat my shit. <laughs> like, I, don't like, I don't quite understand... What's hypocritical about that? It wasn't like... Nothing! Okay, so she said, hashtag eat my shit, (laughs) hashtag hypocrisy. And then Gaga tweeted a photo of her and Sharon holding the cake and they're smiling. Mm. And she wrote, hey, I didn't know it was your birthday until this afternoon. It was meant to be a peace offering. Happy Mm. birthday. Which I don't understand how that could have been misinterpreted in in any any other kind of way. Will, uh, Judge Will, uh, who do you rule in favour of? Oh, I mean, Gaga. Like this. I mean, Kelly's. I, I quite like Kelly Osbourne. I find her quite entertaining. But I, I'm absolutely with Gaga in this. I one. guess the only way, the only thing Gaga could have done better was said, "Here's a cake. I made it with some butter from yes. my face. Oh, like yeah. owned it completely." Um, okay. Now uh, these next two celebrities. Um, one of the original all-girl R&B supergroups. Mm-hmm. Um, versus one of the current day biggest female R&B stars. So the R&B supergroup is from the 90s, no longer. Oh, okay. Like TLC, one of those? They're they're exactly TLC. Well done. So not Lisa Left Eye Lopez. No, the actual group. Oh, oh, so TLC. TLC had a problem with, yeah, this female, probably the biggest, I'd say the biggest female, well, Apart from Beyonce, she's she's more R and B than Beyonce. She sort of tends to stick in that. Rihanna, Rihanna, well done. Became a billionaire the other day, Rihanna. Really? From what her lingerie? Well, I mean, I assume her music had something to do with it. Seeing we did that episode where we discovered she had she's the most the number, number one, one singles of anybody in the last decade. During an interview 
with Australia's Channel 7 Sunrise. All right. right. Sunrise with the big scoop. <laughs> yeah, local boys. Uh, TLC's Tion T-Boz Watkins said... Okay, I'm already loving this. Who the fuck from Sunrise was interviewing <laughs> someone from TLC? Couldn't get, couldn't get Pauline Hanson. <laughs> Who else have we got in the Rolodex? <laughs> Tion T-Boz Watkins. Okay. So she said during this interview, every time I see you, you don't have to be naked. We became the biggest girl selling group of all time with our clothes on. And that says a lot. We could go around today with two. We could go around two with booby cakes all day long, <laughs> said Rosanda Chili Thomas. <laughs> booby cakes. Uh, they could go around with their booby cakes out. Um, I didn't, I've never heard boobs referred to as booby cakes, but... I know what I'm going to refer to them from now on. <laughs> Divorce papers pending. <laughs> I sure do miss those booby cakes, you'll say, to the other lonely men in the apartment complex you live in. Yeah. It, all, it was all going so well until booby cakes. <clears throat> yeah, so they're saying, look, we, didn't, we, 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 we could go around with our booby cakes out all day long, said Rosanda Chili Thomas. Okay, Rihanna. Just, let's just think t- about this for a second. <laughs> T-Boz. He's on Sunrise in yeah. Australia, talking to Koshi or whatever. And yeah. they're both on Sunrise. So Chile and T Boz are both on Okay. Sunrise. So TLC are touring maybe Australia, right? Something. They yeah. they go into Sunrise and they decide let's start a beef with Rihanna. Let's yeah. call Rihanna out. Because Rihanna's probably tuning in, loves the cash cow, loves Sam Mack. Um this is I mean, it's not the most public of all places to try to start a beef, is what I'm saying. Yeah. I'm sorry, I just can't get past booby cakes. I keep going back to that sentence. Uh, Rihanna, who received attention for her see-through Adam Selman dress at the 2014 uh, CFDA Fashion Awards, changed her Twitter banner to a picture of TLC wearing revealing outfits from an old fashion shoot. So they've gone the Kim K, Chloe Grace Moretz route, where they're going to like dig in to find... Now, that's hashtag hypocrisy. If Kelly Osborne needs a lesson in hypocrisy, that's that's where she'll find it. Yeah, if uh, Rihanna had gone hashtag hypocrisy, hashtag eat my shit, <laughs> I would have been like, fair enough. The banner has since been removed. The Disturbia singer also tweeted a photo of herself sticking her tongue out with the message, when there's no change in the fact that I'm me, and they're, well, they're them. That does not clear it up. <laughs> um, Who do you rule in favour of here? T Boz and Chili or uh, Rihanna? TLC have always had like a very strong policy around scrubs. They don't mm. want no scrubs. And maybe, unfortunately, if you live like in a confirmation bias bubble where everybody's always like, yeah, scrubs, scrubs are no good, hate scrubs, hate the TV series scrubs, just yeah. like anti Never wash my hands, don't scrub my hands. Then here's that old saying that if you've got a hammer, everything is a nail. Right, I think that's a bit the same with TLC. Ah, right. They're constantly on scrub alert, and they've just got like, is Rihanna being a scrub? Do we have to like shout out in this situation? To to me, I'm with Rihanna. I don't think Rihanna's done anything. She's owning her body. She's doing what she wants to do. She's a billionaire. Um, you know, like I, I think the TLC, as much as I love and respect them, and I don't want to go onto their scrub list yeah. for making this pronouncement on this podcast because they're clearly amazed. huge fans of Australian yeah. culture announcing this on the Sunrise program. <laughs> yeah. But I've got to find for Rihanna. Yeah. I mean, I don't want to go chasing waterfalls, Will. <laughs> I don't want to stick to the lakes and the rivers I'm used to, so I'm going to stick with Rihanna. We know what you're going to get with Rihanna. She uh, makes no bones about who she is. 
The one thing, though, that I've noticed with this list, and this might be more of a sad state of uh, our media landscape, is that this is predominantly older stars accusing younger stars of using sex to sell. It was like Bette Midler. It was Chloe Grace Moretz. Well, she was a younger star accusing Kim K. It's a lot of this, like, setting up women to oppose each other. It's not very sex positive. No. Like, it's a lot of the time it is. That's like me going... Yeah, Tommy Little's selling a lot of tickets, but put a fucking shirt on. Yeah. What, you can't take some of that project money and buy a fucking shirt? Yeah, you go to the gym, mate. No one's impressed. <laughs> That'd be great if we made the next list. <laughs> okay, this is... Um, well, if I tell you what country she's from, it's probably going to tell you who she is. Okay. So... Uh, oh. I mean, that should be a clue. She's Bjork. big... Yeah, she's like the, the Southern Hemisphere Bjork. Oh, but not from here? Not from Australia. Okay. So Very so close by. From New Zealand. Yeah. And so, and she's a celebrity, right? Yeah. Is she a singer? Yeah. Lord. Lord. And he is a DJ, and I know that you don't know anything about DJs, so I'll give you, um, uh, if I was your personal trainer, will and i had you doing um a set of dips and i didn't think that i think you're too high i would say can you just can you just squat lower <laughs> can, can you just uh, low you're doing dips can um, you dip more just get it cl- get dip low dip low <laughs> <laughs> good good clue okay <laughs> dj diplo posted a tweet in 2014 Oh, actually, hang on. This is a this is a three way feud. Diplo dissed at Taylor Swift in 2014, and Lord shut the DJ down. Okay. So DJ Diplo posted a tweet in 2014 suggesting that someone should make a Kickstarter fund to get Taylor Swift a booty, and even include a fundly link for the cause. Lord, the bad blood singer's friend, responded to the DJ by writing, "Should we do something about your tiny penis while we're at it?" <laughs> Hashtag eat my eat shit. Eat my shit. <laughs> or eat my the shit. Royal singer. As she would say. The Royal Singer's tweet has since been deleted. In 2016, Diplo and Lord were photographed together at the Brit Awards <laughs> and Justin Bieber's after party, confirming that any hard feelings were forgotten. I mean, Diplo, come on, Diplo. mate. We're at a stage where we don't comment on other people's bodies anymore. Have a little diplomacy, Diplo. <laughs> uh, uh, I find against Diplo on behalf of Taylor Swift and Lord. Okay, uh, we're going to enter our final two beefs, and they both have a Kardashian flavor to them. Um, this is probably the least famous of the Kardashian clan. Rob Kardashian. Rob Kardashian um, and his ex, I'm assuming. I don't know anything about these give me, two Give people. me one of your creative clues. Okay. Um, it's a... It's 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 a global superpower. <laughs> if a so if a global superpower suddenly lost all electricity, you might say, oh, oh, uh, China. Yeah, yeah. It's the opposite of white. China black, black China, <laughs> <laughs> or black China. I guess that's black better. China. Or China black. Uh, in 2017, Rob Kardashian posted a series of explicit photos and videos of his then fiance Black China after she allegedly sent him a video of herself having sex with another man. Mm. 
Uh, I, I hate both of them. Can, is there some way you can send both to prison, Judge I mean, Will? Okay. The reality star posted a series of photos claiming that China had weight loss surgery after giving birth. And oh, God. And also shared explicit videos. Um, I had my daughter out of love, but this woman left the second I paid for her body surgery, he wrote. China responded on Snapchat with allegations of abuse. She said, Rob did all this. You beat me up and try and act like it never happened. After Instagram disabled the Kardashians account, he moved to Twitter to repost the videos and the photos. What a piece of shit, which were removed shortly after. Temporary restraining orders and legal battles over child support payments ensued. And after a series of hearings, the exes agreed to joint custody of the three-year-old daughter, Dream, in 2019. Black China then released a statement saying, Robert and I, our only concern is what is in the best interest of our daughter that we both equally love. Additionally, Robert is a wonderful father to our dreamy. Okay. That sounds like something that was uh, agreed upon in a financial settlement. <laughs> Can we get that child removed from their care? Uh, <laughs> Can look, we find a new home? I, I don't know much about China Black, China Comba Black, <laughs> Black China, <laughs> aka Black China. Um, here's what I do know about Rob Kardashian, just based on that. Even if that shit happened, this is what my judgment is. Even if what he is saying is absolutely true, online and social is not the place to be sharing that. You keep that, you just see yourself, you get lawyers involved, you do whatever you need to do to settle that privately on behalf of your fucking daughter, but you don't air that dirty laundry out in public. That is gross and you are gross. And so I find, I find for dreams. Yeah, dreamy. Yeah. Um, I think that is the product though of a family that lives their life in public, yeah. right? Like they play, everything plays out in public. That would be horrible, by the way. Horrible. All right. There's the last of the Kardashians. And in fact, she's actually a Jenna. So uh, Kylie Jenna. Kylie Jenna. And I don't know who this person is. Let's just get straight to the end of it. It's Jordan Woods, who was her best friend. Do you know who Jordan Woods is? Nope. Okay. Uh, so she said it tied to I don't even know Jordan. if Jordan Woods is a man or a woman at this point. Jordan a woman, uh, she admitted that she kissed Khloe Kardashian's boyfriend. Mm -hmm. The tight-knit friendship between Kylie Jenner and Jordan Woods came to an abrupt end in 2019 when reports stated that Woods supposedly kissed Tristan Thompson, Khloe Kardashian. They all sound like comic book characters. They really do. Tristan Thompson, Khloe Kardashian's then boyfriend and father of her daughter, True. Woods moved out of Jenner's house where she was living prior to the scandal. Shortly after that, she appeared on Red Table Talk and admitted that she and Thompson kissed. Jenner's ex-best friend also stated that she isn't the reason that Thompson and Kardashian are no longer together. Kardashian replied with a tweet blaming Woods for the breakup before the reality star attributed the blame to Thompson mm. rather than Woods. Yeah, I reckon that's about right. <laughs> Why? Well, because he's married with kids. And he shouldn't be kissing. Like, I mean, yes, maybe she the other person has some part to play in it, but the person who's got all this other stuff to lose, she might have been a single person, for example. Yes, she's going to ruin a friendship and like a marriage, but he's the one who really should have been saying no in that situation. In a bizarre, um, this is a, a, a third celebrity injects themselves into this. Great. Jada Pinkett Smith. Yeah, good. Because oh, she hosts the Red Room or whatever it's called, right, the Red yeah, Table. Red, red Table Talk, right. Yeah. What, what is that? Is that like a View, the View type show? Yeah, except like I think, again, the only times I've ever seen it, so I don't know if this is the whole show or these are just the bits of the show that I've seen, but I believe 
like it's where they also the Smiths aired all their stuff about you know the nature of their marriage and you know what had gone on within their marriage. So it's quite, I think it's like adult conversations about you know shit where your life goes wrong and people go on there and really. I don't know if that's the theme of the whole show. What's it called? Red table talk. Red, yeah, red red. I'll look it up. Red table talk. Okay. All right. Red table talk. Um, here we go. Wikipedia. All right. So just quickly, it's, uh, so Jada Pinkett Smith aired footage of Woods taking a lie detector test to prove she didn't have sex with Thompson. Right. Uh, red table talk is an American talk show starring Jada Pinkett Smith, Willow Smith. And Pinkett Smith's mother, Adrienne, uh, that uh, is on Facebook Watch. The premise is it provides a forum where the perspectives of three generations of women can talk on a wide variety of topics. And oh, that's so, interesting. With a celebrity angle, <laughs> clearly, and lie detector tests. I mean, I'll give you the some of the. I mean, this is not going to be fun or funny it'll just give you a sense of no. the these are some of the topics of the episode so okay. motherhood surviving loss body confessions um let's talk about sex um uh, surviving divorce domestic abuse the racial divide like so yeah they, they feels like they they talk about some pretty full-on topics and they conduct lie detector tests and conduct light <laughs> for a bit of showbiz. Uh, well, we've got a little bit of mail we'll get to before we go. Okay. Uh, but before we get to that, um, if you're listening to this and you want to check out more of our other great podcasts, you can go to tofop.com. They're all housed there under one roof. We have one called Willosophy. Who's on this week, Will? Uh, this week on Willosophy, uh, well, actually, there's going to be two episodes. Uh, so the okay, one that great. is going to be out uh, by the time that people hear this is Danielle Walker, who was a really funny Australian comedian. Um, so I hope people will enjoy that. But also, there's going to be a bonus episode of Willosophy this week with Luke Heggie, who is also a brilliant Australian comedian. The reason that Luke Heggie's episode is going up as a bonus episode is that Luke Heggie will be a guest on uh, the very first episode of my brand new TV show, Question Everything, um, alongside Alexi Toliopoulos, uh, who people might have heard on Fofop a few weeks ago, and Conchetta Caristo, who people will get to hear on Fofop this week. So that one with uh, Conchetta and Lauren uh, from the Big Natural Talents podcast will be out by the time people hear this as well. But you can see all three of them on the television and on my new show on the ABC Wednesday nights. Uh, and Two Guys, One Cup is coming out every Thursday, as usual. Things are heating up as we get towards the finals mm. race. Not really heating up for my team, but that's a whole other issue. Well, yeah. You, <laughs> you, you really picked cool the wrong off, time of the year. <laughs> had some catastrophic injuries and a loss of form <laughs> just at the wrong time of the season. Uh, but that comes out every Thursday. We also do uh, our Instagram tips uh, on a Thursday afternoon. I also have an Instagram live that I did last Friday. It was a lot of fun. That's up on our uh, Instagram page, which is at tofop uh and also if you want to support the show you can go to tofop uh, patreon.com slash tofop we have a bonus episode where we answer some more of your mail but here's some regular mail well this came in uh from julia uh the subject is zillennial on limp bizgit two colon fop long time listener first time caller have long contemplated writing in on various topics but the thing that tipped me over into finally writing was your conversation on zillennials and limp bizgit 
I was born in 96, which according to buzzers, etc., reliable sources, makes me a cusper, i.e. I'm on the cusp of millennial and Gen Z. I've genuinely only ever heard of Limp Biscuit on Tofop. <laughs> Imagine that. We are the single resource. Well, you know what? There's the my, my podcast, Mike. I'll get you the link in the episode description. There is a great episode about Limp Biscuit on the Rolling Stone podcast this week, which goes into the history and legacy of Fred Durst and Limp Biscuit. Um, when you started talking about Fred Durst, I honestly thought you were talking about Robert Durst, who Wikipedia describes as an American real estate heir and suspected serial killer. Needless to say, I was confused as to why he was at Lollapalooza in the first place, let alone why you guys were surprised that he had grey hair now. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, please. I mean, it'd be great if uh, The Late Show, uh, an iconic uh, Australian comedy program, they used to be famously... The idea would be like, um, hey, we got Van Halen tonight. And they'd be like, oh, no, it's actually Sid Halen who played Cookie yeah. <laughs> on a country practice. If if they were like, yeah, oh, Limp Biscuit is headlining Lollapalooza. And then they just bring out the serial killer. Robert Durst. <laughs> Robert Durst. <laughs> <laughs> to dry reach into the microphone and mumble to himself about, I think they're onto me. <laughs> That's all he does for 90 minutes. Uh, hopefully this tidbit of demographic info can satisfy your curiosity to some degree i love you guys and love the pod julia p.s please watch inside it's honestly so good yes it's on my list of things to get to um that limp biscuit document uh, the podcast by rolling stone is really interesting because they go to the defense of limp biscuit these serious hardcore you know rolling stone music journals saying that like they've been dismissed as this joke band and they're all terrible for music but they say I mean, what they sort of posit is the idea that Limp Bizkit were um, self-aware, that they were creating this, like, image. Like, Fred Durst was way too old to be playing, like, this teenager skater punk. He, Fred, the Fred Durst in Limp Bizkit is a, is a character in a way. And the name of the, the, the you know, the, the name Limp Bizkit and the names of their albums and their songs, they're all just so ridiculous. It's not meant to be taken seriously at all. And then something else they talk about, which was weird, is that, they actually had a huge female following. That it made them completely different to every other new metal band is that women really like Limp Bizkit. You go to a Limp Bizkit show and there'd be heaps of girls there and they were more akin to being a boy band than being like a metal band. I mean, it's a good way to rewrite history, if nothing else. <laughs> Uh, this is from Sasha. Hey, Charlie and Will. I'm not sure if you've heard this yet, but it seems that the TOEFOP adjacent topic of AI and deepfakes has popped up again. Apparently, the movie Roadrunner, a film about Anthony Bourdain, yes. sees the director and filmmaker using AI and deepfake tech to cobble together a narrative from Bourdain, yet is not disclosed to the audience that this is what is being done. Anyway, I'm sure you guys can do a deep dive if you wish. Cheese the pot. Have you heard about this? Oh, yeah, I have heard about this. So, basically... It's an interesting area because um, he, yeah, so he fed in essentially all this like Bourdain actually speaking into a mm. program and then they got him that program to do some narration for this documentary that isn't actually Anthony Bourdain saying those words. Now- It's an algorithm. Yeah. But, I, right. but what he did was he only got them to recreate- quotes that Anthony Bourdain had written down. So the narration is only saying things that Anthony Bourdain had said. He just didn't say out loud. So it's a weird yeah, right. area. Because if you just like got him to say anything, like he's like, I'm Anthony Bourdain and I just made a yeah, booby cake. Hashtag eat my shit. <laughs> I love booby cakes. <laughs> it's a weird documentary. I am the roadrunner. Beep, beep. Hang on. This is... This is about cooking and traveling. So who's who's behind the documentary though? His estate or something? 
No, it's an independent. I think it's a, a film, but they have made it like I. I, I my permission. understanding is that it was cleared with you know the family, the state, or whatever, whatever. to right. actually do this in the in the film. I mean, it does sort of clear the path for after you die that we get to uh, deep fake you with dicks in your hands, like all the uh, all the video footage we have of you. I love <laughs> that if that would only happen after I die, <laughs> yeah. that would be great. <laughs> Uh, this is from Isabel. Hey guys, I love the podcast. Quickly, I got into it through faux fop episodes with Gareth and Dave and then realized I should probably listen to the original thing. Happened to be on July 4th, 2020 and not feeling particularly patriotic because I'm the USA. I tuned in around episode 299, uh, which was about bins and I loved it. Or trash cans. Trash cans. Trash. Yeah. Anyway, recent episode, you guys mentioned Booker T, and my mind went to the first attachment, who is President Booker T. Washington. <laughs> and, I was, and I was like, wow, these guys know American history. But that was immediately dismissed, and as I realized, it was naturally a reference to a wrestler. Yes. No, when we refer to Booker T, we're talking about the five-time, 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 five-time WCW champion. Yeah, as opposed to Booker T. Washington, the five-time, five-time president of the United States of America. <laughs> Uh, and lastly, this is from Seth. Still on wrestling. Hey guys, I heard you talking about Rowdy Roddy Piper being stabbed and how it sucked that he was so hated. Well, my great grandma attacked him at a WWF match in Portland, Oregon in the early 80s. Wow. She wasn't one of the three people that shanked him, but her hatred of him was so great that she jumped the barriers and started to assault him while he was walking to the ring. <laughs> grandma. Grandma. The thing I haven't mentioned is that my grandma Bernice, uh, Bernice was all of four foot 11 and probably weighed 90 pounds. My dad said it was the funniest thing he's ever seen watching this tiny elderly woman trying to punch a hit and claw a monstrously large man. I mean, amazing. Nana. What a great story to tell forever about Nana. Do you remember the time Nana jumped she the fence Rowdy Roddy Piper. and tried to beat up Rowdy Roddy Piper? She also kicked the TV, the tube out of her TV once because he won a match against Hulk Hogan. But I don't remember clearly. Uh, but I don't remember that clearly uh, who my dad said it was against. I really appreciate y'all's podcast. Wow. And I've been listening since the pre-Super Pod day. So keep it up. A, uh, also not a doctor. Thank you, Seth. I mean, you said last week, or when we talked about it, that, look, Roddy Piper should be able to go about his business and not be assaulted by people. He can play a bad guy. Do you rethink that when it's a 90-pound grandma? I mean, I love it. I mean, here's what I would say. Fucking take a lesson, Val Kilmer. Like, Rowdy Roddy Piper. Like, it's almost the opposite of the Val Kilmer or the method actor story, isn't it? Like, yeah. Rowdy Roddy Piper became this character and then had to live with everybody thinking he's this character. All he wanted to do was be able to say, cut, walk away, and yeah. go home and not be Rowdy Roddy Piper anymore. But he's <laughs> <laughs> fucking got to watch out for ninja grandmothers all over the place. Yeah, that's what Val Kilmer needed with some wiry grandma just to climb him like a bloody bobcat <laughs> and clack, scratch, scratch and claw at him. All right, that's Tofop for this week. I'm Charlie Clawson. I'm Will Anderson. 